Good to have you back. Thanks to, say thanks to our friends from Point Brewing. Uh, Point Brewing, brewing excellence since uh, 1857. It's funny because last night uh, the movie The Great Outdoors was on. The old one with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd and such, and they're sitting at the table and they're eating uh, hot dogs and lobsters and all that kind of stuff, and the whole time they're sitting there drinking Point Beer. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, our friends at Point Brewing, like I said, they're brewing excellence since 1857. Good stuff from our friends at Point Brewing. Ah, uh, let's get him on, and that's our guy, Mark Schofield, SB Nation, uh, joining us on the hotline. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, and I love that movie. Is that the scene where John Candy has to eat the great 96er, the old 96er, that oh, yeah. steak? Is, yep. is it that scene? Oh, I love that scene. Yeah, it's great because when they when they go into the bars, they have old beer signs. from. A, it's supposed to be like the Northwoods. Uh, near Canada or something, but I think it was actually shot. Uh, I don't know where it was shot, but it was made to look like a, a, a cabin or something in the North Woods of Wisconsin. So they've got Line and Kugels and Point and all these different beers from this area that are all in that particular bar, which was really kind of cool. Oh, that's tremendous! I love that movie. I got to watch that this weekend. Yep, it was uh, it was just on, and I had it on. And I was cleaning up my bar last night, so I had it on on one one of the televisions, and the other one was watching some Buffalo football and. So I just I was kind of perusing back and forth. So hey, we're we're at the midway point, okay? So as you sit there and you start to think, we're we're midway through the season, which is hard to believe. It seemed like it just started yesterday. But if, what have we learned about this season? If you had to say, here's the top three or four things that I've figured out about this season so far. Yeah, that, that's a great thing to think about. It's a great question. I think one is, as we've talked about, one of the themes is the defenses have caught up. We've seen scoring down. We've seen offenses struggle. You know, we've seen, you know, a lot of backup quarterbacks playing. Obviously, the Packers saw a backup quarterback last week in Brett Griffin for the Rams. You know, we're seeing offenses struggling, defenses sort of coming back to life here. I think that's one theme. And sort of build it off of that, I think the next two might be this. One is the importance of offensive line play. You know, when, when you cannot protect the quarterback, when the quarterback is back there running for his life or, you know, get, ends up getting banged up and you have to turn to the backup quarterback, it becomes a problem. They can certainly put teams in a position where they might have had big visions and big dreams of, of making it to those playoffs. Like, for example, the New York Giants. Now they're going to be starting Tommy DeVito, a uh, third-string quarterback this week. And so the importance of offensive line play is absolutely critical in today's NFL. It's critical in the NFL generally. It always has been. But this year is another reminder of just how important it is for teams to get their best five up front and to keep them healthy if possible. And I think the third thing is this parity we don't know who the best team like we're sitting down right now at SB Nation trying to come up with our you know power rankings for this week and who's number one who's number two who's number three like you ask six different people you might get six different answers there seems to be that sort of parity in the league right now where you can make a case that six seven eight nine teams could make a Super Bowl run you can make a case for a number of teams they can play off runs certainly there are teams at the bottom of that list where you know look Chicago's not going anywhere this year. Carolina's not going anywhere this year. And those two teams play each other Thursday night. So maybe watch the Louisville game instead. Or New England's not <laughs> going anywhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. I'm not going to be watching this. I'm going to be watching Louisville. They're a fun team. But parity is here in the NFL. It has been for a while. And this year's yet another example. Okay, so let me ask you, in in the NFC, when we sit here and look, uh, you, obviously you've got uh, Detroit at 6-2 and two atop the division. Philadelphia's leading theirs. The San Francisco 49ers tied with the Seahawks at 5-3, and three, but we believe that San Francisco is better. 
And New Orleans, uh, by default, is winning that division at this point. After the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got off to a hot start, they've kind of sucked ever since. So out of those teams, Philadelphia and San Francisco by far are the two teams that we talk about the most. How does Detroit begin to change the minds of people and kind of get into that, holy mackerel, this team's for real and they could actually win this thing kind of mix? I'm not sure they'll be able to until perhaps the playoffs, and part of it is your schedule. I mean, you look at who the Lions have down the stretch. It's a very favorable schedule for them. I mean, they get the Chargers this week, but if they beat Green Bay, I mean, excuse me, if they beat the Chargers, I don't think that's really going to move the needle for a lot of people. Yeah, they've got that team you just mentioned, the Saints, who by virtue of just being in the NFC South or perhaps in the driver's seat for a home playoff game, but I don't think that would be a statement win. I mean, maybe, look, New Year's Eve, Eve, December 30th, they play the Cowboys. Winning that game in Dallas might be the kind of game where you, you could sort of come away and say, okay, that's a statement kind of win. But absent that, it's not like they're going to have that sort of statement victory quality win that people will point to. Now, putting together some solid performances will help. I think seeing Jared Goff perhaps – elevate the offense a little bit more down the stretch might give people confidence that when they get into a playoff game down the road that he could deliver if called upon but by virtue of the schedule they've got left maybe that Dallas game at the end of the calendar year they go into Dallas they beat Dak Prescott at a game which may have huge playoff implications depending on where Dallas is and where Philly is at that point in the year that could be the kind of moment where people could take a step back and say all right I believe now. I believe that in a potential hypothetical world where they have to go into Philadelphia in an NFC championship game or a second or a divisional game or whatever and win, they could do it. Until we see that, though, I think people will still harbor their doubts. So uh, the Packers here at this midway point, uh, I said, look, they're they're uh, overall as a team, they're maybe a D plus at best, a D uh, because they, you know, their record is what it is. But their offense has been inept. Their defense has been average at best. How do you look at this team right now and say, okay, I, I really do, – do you even have a handle on how to evaluate the Green Bay Packers at this point? I, I honestly don't. I mean, I'm glad you gave me the out there because I honestly don't. I mean, yes, you're coming off of a win. But I think a lot of that was Brett Rippon, as much as I liked him coming out of Boise State, I did. My, my thoughts on him were well documented. It, he just did not have a very good game at all. And it's hard to sort of look at that game – and come away thinking, okay, well, they've made improvements in these areas, and their defense can certainly do some things against an offense. It's hard to come away with a concrete feeling of where this team is right now. And I think going forward, the main thing that I'm going to be focused on. No! I didn't hear the phone disconnect. No, I didn't either. Mark, you're not there. Got another car with Mark. Mark's not there. Maybe he got another call, a more important call. Yeah, I'll, I'll get him back know. here. See if we can get him back. But he said the most important thing is, uh, oh, it left us on the cliffhanger, man. That's suspense. Oh my god. Yeah. So we're talking with Mark Schofield, SB Nation. We're going to get him back on the horn. Uh, <laughs> it was like the most important thing is. Oh my goodness! Oh, uh, the code to stop the bomb from blowing up the world is. Ah. <laughs> oh man i was following right along oh i was following I'm, I'm on my phone i'm kind of checking you know statistics and i'm looking at my page on pro football focus and i'm going to the sb nation i want to see the power rankings and everything he's talking about and he says the most important thing is 
Oh, my goodness. How many times have we had that happen this week? And it's only Wednesday where we got somebody right in the midst of a conversation and all of a sudden it just dies. So there you go. Mark, you there? I'm right here. Where was I in that answer? Because I was You bored. said your words were the most important thing is and it died. Oh, I li- I, it was like the Sopranos, right? We just, we just yes. went to black. That's oh, tremendous. my God. So, for me, the most important thing is Jordan Love. And we've talked a lot about Jordan Love this year. And get into December, get into January with a question, is Jordan Love the quarterback for this team going forward answered? Either way is going to be the most important thing. For me, I want to see taking care of the football, check downs. I talked a lot to some, you know, a podcast that, that Tom Brady was doing with Jim Gray and Josh Allen and Tom Brady went on length about sometimes the best throws of the check down, sometimes the best throws just into the dirt. I want to see some more of that. The aggressive throws are great when you hit them, but sometimes living for second down, living for third down is just as important. Uh, I wanted to go back to the defense for a minute because the defense, while their statistics are climbing, they have not been overwhelmingly impressive. So, in and especially since this offense has been inept for the first half of most ball games this season, do you look at this Packers defense, especially with some of the injuries they've had, and say actually they're an overperforming defense or an underperforming defense, or they're probably where they should be because there's always so much heat on Joe Barry and Joe Barry's defense because they give up big plays and big moments when you need them to stand up the the the, the most, and they have done that, but they've also been on the field far too much in comparison to the offense. So how do you look at this Packers defense? Yeah, I mean, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I think throughout the course of this season, this is a unit that has been put in some really bad situations, turnovers and things like that, where, you know, either they're on the field extra because of that, or, you know, the offense goes three and out, and they're right back onto the field. And, you know, even with scoring being down this year, sort of league-wide, you know, the more time you spend on the field, the more opportunities the offense has to generate the explosive play. You know, and so if you're suddenly out there for long stretches because the offense has turned the ball over and the offense is going three and out, and now suddenly instead of maybe in an average game, you might be on the field for nine defensive snaps, you're on the field for 18. That's, you know, twice the opportunities for the offense to create that kind of explosive play. Are there things schematically that perhaps they could do differently, some ways they could use players differently, you know, instead of dropping pass rushers into coverage and things like that, perhaps, but a lot of teams do that and have success with it. So I think, honestly, this defense is doing a little bit better given what they've been tasked to do and given how much they've had to play than I think most other defenses would do in that sort of situation. Um, the coaching staff uh, obviously is is still evaluating itself as well, and so is Brian Gutekinds. But the number one question that's being asked is, if you are going to end up with only three, four, five wins and you're going to end up with a top ten draft choice, do you would you draft a quarterback? and say, look, I just don't know enough about Jordan Love. I got to go for it. Or would you say, I need Marvin Harrison Jr. I got to add another really dynamic weapon to this team. What would you do if you're a general manager of this team trying to figure out what you're not only what you have, but what you're going to do future-wise? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that hinges on the next couple of weeks because if, if it were right now, I'd say, look, the jury's still sort of out on Jordan Love. And I know that, look, this is a good draft class at the quarterback position. If you end up with a top 10 pick, you might have a shot at, you know, Drake May or Michael Penix Jr. or J.J. McCarthy or whoever the quarterback is when you're on the clock in that spot. But until 
I get the answer to that Jordan Love question, I'd much rather bring in a player like Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, that's just me. There are others that say, look, you know, if you don't know, then you have your answer. And as, as much as Marvin Harrison Jr. might be a boost for this offense, grab the quarterback. And if Jordan Love is really going to be the best quarterback for this team, then he can win a battle in camp against a quarterback that you draft there. There are some that believe that, that might be the best approach, given the importance of the quarterback position. But from where I sit sitting right now, I'd go with Marvin Harrison Jr. or Keon Coleman or a weapon for this offense to help Jordan Love. But if we get to that December point that we talked about earlier, and it's clear that Jordan Love is not the answer, then time to start watching some QB film. Uh, right, exactly. Um, AFC, real quick. Uh, it has been, you know, Kansas City somewhat exposed Miami, Cincinnati somewhat exposed Buffalo, Baltimore has been just a juggernaut at seven and two. The team nobody's talking about is Jacksonville, sitting at six and two in top their division. Give me your thoughts on the AFC because it really still seems to be somewhat up in the air. It does seem to be somewhat up in the air. Now, there's a case to be made that Baltimore is perhaps that team right now, and. If you're a believer in defense-adjusted value over average, DVOA over football outsiders, they pointed out this week that through nine games, the Ravens have been the third-best team in the stats history behind only the 2007 New England Patriots and the 1991 Washington Redskins. Like Those are the only other two teams ahead of them through nine games. But they've got some big games coming up. they got that game against Cincinnati and a healthy Joe Burrow in two weeks, which will be fascinating. But I think the Ravens right now are playing the best football in the AFC then I think you do have to mention Jacksonville uh, because they, like you said, nobody's really talking about them. And yes, Trevor Lawrence has been great. And Calvin Ridley has been a big addition to that passing game, but their defense is very good too. And again, the underlying theme that we started our conversation today with about defenses being back, Jacksonville is a great example of that. So we'll see if that sticks. Obviously Kansas city has Mahomes, and their defense has been very good this year too, which has certainly helped. But right now, I look at Baltimore as the team to beat in the AFC. Always good, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll talk again next week, and I hope you're right. I hope over the I say by the end of the, the Thanksgiving weekend, we are going to know one way or the other what direction this team's going to be going. So, uh, because they've got Pittsburgh this weekend, then here comes uh, the uh, the Chargers, and then they've got to play Thanksgiving Day back in Detroit to see if they can avenge that beatdown they took to the Lions earlier this season. By then, I'll know. I'll, I'll get a good idea yeah. as to where they're at. I think that's exactly right. I think three games, figure out where you are over the Thanksgiving weekend, and then either it's time to watch receiver film or time to watch QB film. No doubt. Good stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk to you again, okay? Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great week. Enjoy the games this weekend. Absolutely. You too. There you go. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D, over on X or over on Twitter. So there you go. John says everybody's blaming love. It's not all his fault. It's not all his fault. It's not all his fault. I agree with that. But I'm not exonerating him either. It's not all his fault. But he's made enough mistakes for us to raise eyebrows. There's no doubt about that. And there have been moments, like on Sunday, there were a couple moments where it's like, hey, I know everything has been great, but you had a chance right here to make a throw. Or you had a chance right here to make a play. Like, when he can control the controllables, it hasn't always looked great. 100% agree. Absolutely. Uh, one thing you can control now, that's a dynamite segue, uh, and that's, uh, your inside fun and head over to our friends at master C's blue mountain road in Brookfield, two, six, two, seven, four, six, 59, 31 for all of the in-store specials. And as the outside begins to shut down, like I said, uh, shut down the Tiki bar for the most part yesterday. And that was sad, but I did it. Didn't want to do it. 
So we start to look indoors and indoor parties, indoor gatherings, just, you know, fun for your family. You uh, maybe sitting alone at home at night, drinking, throwing darts. Who knows? Whatever it happens to be, they've got bars, bar stools. They've got darts and dartboards, accessories, pool tables, shuffleboards, table games of all type, plus all the accessories for all of those games. And the biggest selection, biggest selection state of Wisconsin, biggest selection state of Wisconsin. There's a reason people come from all over to see Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. Call them for the in-store specials. You can check out their website, but you got to go in right there on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. And as they say, you can see it today, get it tomorrow, 262-746-5931. 262-746-5931. That is Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 11 Good to have you back. Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Um couple of different things here. This one is from uh, Jake. Jake says, um, he said, this time of year is kind of depressing. We have lost our manager. The Brewers are not going to be any better. The Packers stink right now, and the Badgers are not living up to expectations. Uh, As a Packers fan, I am disappointed. As a Wisconsin sports fan, it's even more disappointing, and even the Bucs are off to a little bit of a rough start. Um, Yeah, you know what? But – uh, look, the Bucks. It's early. I'm not. I'm not concerned about the Bucks. You're already getting uh, what is it? Uh, knee management for Chris Middleton. So he's taking a few games off. He doesn't have to have permission because of the knee, but they've got knee management for Chris Middleton already. Yeah, the Brewers. They haven't played a game yet. I'm, you know, still hoping that things are going to be good and that there's going to be some optimism there. And I, you know what? If I'm the Brewers. Now, I'm not getting crazy with money, but if I'm the Brewers, this is what I do. Get your manager in place. 
But I, I think because a lot of people are on the fence. People are mad. They're Brewers fans. They're mad. But I think a lot of people are going, Psh, he left because this guy's never going to spend money. It's never going to get better. It's, you know, on and on. I, if I'm the Brewers PR-wise, I make not a big splash, but I make a splash. You got to get a first baseman. You got to get a third baseman. You got to get a bat. You know, I, I just, I think you need something positive to rally right now. So, and I know the general manager's meetings are taking place this week, but what you need right now, Grant, am I wrong here? I think, you know, with everything that's going on and all the emotions that are raw right now, don't you get the sense that they need something to rally people again? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, prob- probably. They also just need a couple months where people aren't focusing on the Brewers, I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> That's also right. what they need. They need the Packers to do something and the Bucks to do something so we have a couple months to cool down and, and forget about all this. I don't know what the signing would be or what the addition would be. I think it's Jackson Churio and, and some of these young guys who we've already gotten a little bit of a taste of. Um, I, I'm excited about some of the young guys, no doubt, but I would, I would love it if they would solidify first or third. I, I just, I, I would love it if they would do that because everybody just assumed they were going to keep Mark Canna. And if he could play first base, then he would be a guy that most likely they would retain. And then they got rid of him. So now what? So my thought is you need a spl- you need something PR wise that is going to inspire people to say, okay, Craig's gone, but this team's still going to move forward. They're still going to be good. We still got hope. We still, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of people that are mad at Craig, but they're also looking at this going, the Brewers are never going to be that. That's the reason he left. More money, more to spend, more support, you know, more promises. Uh, and this team didn't do itself any favors when they got rid of Josh Hader a couple of years ago. So I think they need something to latch on to right now. Um, if, if it's me, I agree with. And the Bucks. the Bucks are early. I, I get that. And our expectations for all, the, I, I think, including myself in this, and I have to be honest, I think I talked myself into probably more wins than what should have been expected for Luke Fickle. A new style of offense, a new defensive coordinator. I mean, everything's new. Everything's new. And I probably talked myself into, they should beat this team, this team, this team, this team, this team, not realizing you're going to take a loss from a team you probably shouldn't. Somewhere along the way, and then a couple of the teams that should beat you are probably going to beat you. And, you know, it's a bit unfortunate that the you know, Washington State knocked them off. But, um, you know, they're, it's kind of where you thought they would be, give or take a game, I guess. But maybe my expectations were set a little bit too high. But it, it has not diminished my enthusiasm and excitement for what's to come with Wisconsin football. I'll tell you that right now. I, I believe in this program. Fully. Fully believe in this program. The Packers? Eh. I said seven wins, so they still have an opportunity at that, but I don't see consistent growth to make me believe that there's four more wins out there. I think some of the games that you would normally pick as wins I think are now coin flips, and the games that you expect to lose, you're going to lose. 
So that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to the Packers. So on one hand, it seems because we've been been bombarded with the, the negative over the last few days, right? I you know, Council left and left for the Cubs. Packers get a win, but did it ugly. Bucks got off to a slow start, and the Badgers lost to Indiana. I mean that that's a triple nut kick right there, right? So let this week settle. We're going to purge it, and then we'll be back to to relative normal real soon. But I, you know, I've got a fix for everybody. It's just not as simple to get from point A to point B. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Cheryl says you're right. They need major PR damage control. We did not get our season tickets this year because of the hater situation last year. It made us want to get season tickets again, or make us want to get season tickets again, Brewers. Uh, Dave says, Bill, I get that if Love doesn't solidify himself as the QB of the future, that we need to draft a quarterback, but I don't hear one person mention Sean Clifford. He is only two inches shorter than Love and weighs the same. I think his arm is good enough, and he looked better at quarterback on deep balls in the preseason. I watched the Rose Bowl again, and I think the kid can play, and he seems to have the, quote, it factor when it comes to uh, you finding a way to win. Your thoughts? I, if by the end of the season, Jordan Love is nothing different. I would not mind seeing Sean Clifford. I really wouldn't. I would not mind seeing him. Um, you would kind of assume at some point Clifford might get a shot to at least go in and get some snaps, but they are going to they're going to give Jordan Love every opportunity in the world to you know either elevate himself. Or, you know, play himself out of a job. I, there's no no doubt in my mind. You don't wish an injury on anybody to give Sean Clifford an opportunity, so that, that's out of the question. But I like what I've seen out of Sean Clifford. I got to admit, when he was a high schooler, I did not think that he would be this. And even when he was playing at Penn State, I thought there were some big opportunities that he missed. But he looked pretty good in the preseason. But you know, it's a preseason. It's tough to tell, although he did look better than Jordan Love. I'll agree with that. Uh, Chris says, uh, what makes you think uh, so positively that Jordan Love is not the guy? Uh, do you think anybody could come in and be a better quarterback with this team than Jordan Love right now? Anybody? Hell yes. Are you kidding me? Let me ask you this. If you had to sit here right here, right now, right today, and say – you get a chance to swap quarterbacks if you would like. Would you take C.J. Stroud? Grant, would you take if, – if they said no repercussions right now, you get C.J. Stroud if you want to flip with the Houston Texans. Would you do it? Yeah. Yeah, because he – well, in, in also, he, he's younger. You're also resetting the rookie contract. That's a, that's a massive part of it too, but Stroud's yeah. looked way better. Yeah. Stroud come into the league, first year in the league, and has looked really good. I also really like Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator. I think Houston's doing a yep. bunch of great things aside from Stroud, but Stroud's looked awesome. Yeah. Yep. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Do it in a heartbeat. 877-867-1670. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready! This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Are you looking for a great place to go with great people? Now he has always have something going on, but uh, that's Stoley's Hog Alley out in Lake Country, Stoles Old 109 in Watertown. They are uh, nominated by the uh, the area, the Oconomowoc area, is having one of the best fish fries as well. Always said the fish fry is spectacular. They have that uh, that salted rye bread, which is just spectacular. It's one of the things that I do uh, I do break the diet for. I'll get that salted rye bread. That stuff is that stuff is good. They good burgers, pizza, uh, and it just you know they're really really good people, for lack of a better term. It's just great. Both of them great places, great atmosphere. Stoll's All One Hundred Nine is up in Watertown on County Road R, and Stoley's Hog Alley is technically in the little town of Summit, but it's Oconomowoc on Venice Beach Road, right there next to Upper Nimbabwe. So either place, you can't go wrong. Both places spectacular, and the people that own them are even better. So check out Stoley's Hog Alley and Stoley's Old 109. So good, good stuff there. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, feel free to go ahead and do so. Thomas says uh, the team with Rodgers only won eight games, and that was with Lazard, Cobb, Mercedes, Tanya, and Amos. People seem to have forgot they weren't good last year. Now, minus all the veterans, a worse record. Understandable at this point in the rebuild. So, in other words, Thomas, you're making excuses. I, I, what do you want me to say? They weren't good last year, and part of it was because I don't think the quarterback's head was in it. Also, the quarterback played games with a broken thumb. That pathetic game he had against Detroit where he threw not one but two different interceptions forced into the red zone and with bad passes. I'm just, you know, if you want to pull out reasons why, so they went younger, okay. By the way, when you take away Mercedes, Tanya, and Lazard, Cobb, okay, do you think this team would be that much better? Do you think do you think that Luke Musgrave is as good as Robert Tanyan was, who had kind of lost a step ever since he had the injury? Go ask Jets fans how they feel about Lazard and Cobb right now. Go go yeah. look at tweets from Jets exactly. fans. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like they're playing really well right now with uh Cobb and, and Lazard over there in New York. And they're really helping out Zach Wilson, man. That's right. I'm just, you know, I, like I said, if you want to make the excuses for that, okay, I'll go excuse with you. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. I can go toe-to-toe with you on that on anything. As far as the defense goes, the defense's numbers actually are better this year than they were last year. So what? Think about it. And, you know, Rick's right. Tanya doesn't even get on the field in Chicago. I think Musgrave's an upgrade. So I, that's kind of a that's kind of a, a bad, bad example, not the way you wanted to go. Um, John says, uh, why is everybody blaming Jordan Love? Look, the whole thing about blaming Jordan Love, nobody's blaming Jordan Love. But he's the quarterback, damn it. So when he plays well and people come out of the woodwork saying, see, I told you so, when he plays poorly, I'm going to point it out. And if you can't take it, then you're so damn thin-skinned, you need to go watch, like, the Disney Channel, dude. Seriously. If you can't take the facts, then I don't know what to tell you. Make excuses all you want. The bottom line is there are passes that he throws that look like crap. 
There are some passes he throws that look really good. He's done some good things. Early on this season, you had no problem when I praised him. None at all. When I said he threw a really good pass on an out pattern to Christian Watson against Cincinnati, he threw a really good no-look pass into the zone that landed right in the arms of Romeo Dobbs. He had that, that pass to set the first touchdown of the season on the crossing pattern, pattern to Romeo Dobbs. He looked off the coverage, went to Dobbs, hit him in stride right down the middle. Perfect play. We praised him for it. It hasn't been that way since. Teams are scheming for him. They know what he can do. They are daring him to throw deep. How many do, do you need any more evidence than to look at the touch pass that he needed in the back corner of the end zone this past weekend? Christian Watson was wide open and he underthrew him by five yards. And it wasn't like he was under under duress. He just didn't set up his feet, didn't throw the ball right, didn't have the touch on it. That's a fact. Go back and watch it. But nobody's blaming it all on him. But the quarterback gets a lot of the blame and a lot of the praise. And if you want to defend him and that's the guy you want to build the team around, then God bless you. So be it. Me personally, I think you are in for a long, 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 long time, no matter how many contracts you give him, of ineptitude, period, and a story. And you have not been able to give me one thing to back it up to say he's the guy. Get off his back. It's only been a half a season. He's been here three years. It's only been a half a season. And C.J. Stroud in Houston with a bunch of nobodies is kicking his ass. What do you want me to say? I mean, you can look at any quarterback in the National Football League. Some have it, some don't. Sometimes you just need to say and look yourself in the mirror and go, this guy doesn't. I never thought he did. And I sat back and waited. And now that it's starting to crumble, you want to make all the excuses for him. That's fine. Do it. Wait till the end of the season. But if you're going to sit there at the end of the season and still be making excuses, that means he's not the guy. And you have to find somebody. Otherwise, much like those idiots to the south of us, they bury themselves in a guy called Mitch Trubisky, who was crap. He was a, he was a turd in a bowl, man, swirling a drain. And they stuck with him because all the excuses. New offensive coordinator, new head coach, new players. Offensive line wasn't good. The, the guy wasn't good. And they spent four years trying to figure it out. Four long, lonely, sucktastic years trying to figure it out. Period. So for all of you people that are emailing me and on the stream and saying, oh, my God, give him a chance, quit blaming love. No, he's a football player, damn it. But I never thought he was that good. Has he done good things? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope he gets better. But I know which way I'm leaning. Period. End of story. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Give us a shout. Got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 
0% interest, and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. My buddy Justin just texted me, and he said one of the other questions is that uh, the Packers drafted this, quote, big leg kicker. And where is he at? Where is he at? And uh, so I kind of started to look here. And uh, Anders Carlson is, when it comes to kickoffs, is ranked sixth in the National Football League. Sixth, uh, Blake Group, um, out of New Orleans, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Couldn't tell you. Don't know their kicker. Uh, Harrison Butker, uh, we do know him from Kansas City. Uh, Joey Sly, uh, from Washington, is ahead of him. Will Lutz from Denver. Uh, Santos out of Chicago is number five, and then Anders Carlson is number six. Is number six. He has 21 touchbacks on the season. 21, not a bad number. For as little as this team has scored, that's not a bad number. So the big leg per, you know, per kickoff is there. It's there. Uh, the one thing that we are seeing is uh, the percentage of returns. Even though he's got 21 touchbacks, he's, his, his return rate is one of the highest. Uh, in the National Football League. He is ranked 14th. And there's only a couple of kickers that have kicked off once or twice. So you eliminate those. So then you go, uh, he's fifth. He's the He has the fifth highest return rate overall of active rel- regular kickers in the National Football League. 34.3% of his kickoffs are returned. So what that tells you is, is everything that Ritz Basaccia wanted, they wanted a guy with a big leg, but he's not getting air under the ball. So even if it is four yards deep in the end zone, teams are still returning it because it is such a line drive. So that's one thing. That's one thing. So when you look at then the field goal aspect of this and the field goal grades, um, boy, and he has had some opportunity. What I don't understand, this is what he uh, that my buddy Justin brought up, is – with this quote big leg, Anders Carlson, by the way, ranks thirtieth uh, in the National Football League. Thirtieth, technically, with a couple of guys that have only had one game, um, he would rank two, two, three. So he would rank twenty seventh, technically, in the National Football League. Twenty seventh. Yeah, he would be twenty seventh. But when you get to the uh, field goal percentage, because he has missed a couple. God, where does he rank? Anders Carlson is 20th. Now, there is two other people that have only had one kick in one game, so technically he's 18th. So he's just less than half. But this whole thing about – I go back to the game against Atlanta – we just saw him 
in Chicago kick a 56-yard field goal with the, quote, big leg. And yet they have not attempted um, a lot of field goals for him. There's only been two. He's two for two, 50-plus. Two for two. But it's weird because from 40 to 49 yards, he's 0 for 2. 6 for 6 from 30 to 39, 3 for 3 from 20 to 29. So his only two misses are the only two attempts from between 40 and 49 yards. Everything over 50 he's made, everything under 40 he's made. Weird. But he's two for two. So my question is, when you got a 55-yarder, specifically at home, why are you not kicking the football? Why are you not going for a field goal instead of taking the uh, delay of game penalty and punting the ball? Don't know. Great question, though. I get it. Uh, 877-867-1670. Um. And I agree with Rick. Rick says, look, he's he's slightly below average, but he's also not getting a lot of opportunities. And that's true because the offense has been relatively inept. 100% agree. Right there with you. And if, if you've ever had a chance to get to a game and watch him in warm-ups, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not, not great. Not great, that's for sure. Um, Michael says, I disagree with you. Carlson is putting it into the end zone. However, teams are bringing it out because a special teams unit is not very good. I was expecting more from this unit, but talent trickles down the roster and that's not very good either. So the special teams then begin to suffer. This is true. Michael, that's, that's not going to go unnoticed. I agree with you. The, the coverage has not been great. Rich Bisacci has also got like three or four players that were rostered for him like he's gotten right. a lot of resources allocated to his special team so I, I'm not going to pretend yeah. I understand the statistics of, of coverage and, and all this stuff but it's not like the Packers haven't given him tools to work with because they have yep 100% agree the the coverage has not been great but I will say and in, in it's only, only reason I bring it up is because it has been something that we've talked about uh, you know even guys just watching the game is when you watch him in warm-ups he kicks a lot of they're not line drives, but they're not the high arcing, big leg, booming kicks. He kicks a lot of line drives, and there have been a couple of times where I've watched him specifically at Lambeau Field where he's kicking from 40 to 45, and he's just not accurate or not getting there or barely getting there crossing the crossbar. So it's it's been weird because, you know, when he's 50 and beyond – He's been – I mean, he kicked that ball in – that 56-yarder in Chicago. He had 15 yards to spare. That was halfway up the net. And then we went, oh, okay, there's the big leg. But they really haven't done too much with it since then, you know? So, good question. Good question. 877-867-1670. Uh, this is uh, Jesse. Jesse says – uh, hey, Bill, I appreciate the fact that we are breaking down kicker statistics at this point, but what about this team overall? Would you rank the coaching a C-minus as well? Jesse, um, you probably have to, right? Overall, yeah, you'd have to go with a probably more of a D-plus if you want to get technical. 
I mean, they're a sub-500 team. You know, if you want to make blame it on the talent, then you blame it. But but I think it all goes hand in hand. So there, I think there have been some really terrific play calls offensively that have just been blown up by a mistake or two here or there, unfortunately. But you're supposed to be the coach to coach them out of those same over and over and over and over and over again mistakes, right? So, yeah, I think you'd have to. You'd have to look at it that way. Hey, coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk with Zach Heilprin uh, in about 15 minutes. Zach's going to join us, and we're going to talk about this Badger football team and uh, kind of what to expect this weekend. Uh, got a big weekend of college football, but more so right here in our own backyard. Badgers uh, getting underway, I believe. That's an 11 o'clock game, right? Grant, correct me if I'm wrong, it's an 11 a.m. game? It should be an early one. I can double-check, but I, I think you're I right. think it is an early one, yeah. I think it's an early one. Uh, Badgers at 11, I think, uh, on on Saturday. And, uh, man, I, I they stubbed their toe in Indiana. We'll talk with him about that as well uh, coming up here in about 15 minutes, talk some Badger football. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I still have some emails I want to get to about the Brewers as well. It's 2.30, it looks like, against Northwestern. It is 2.30. Yeah, oh, okay, it is 2.30. Okay, it is 2.30. Okay, I wasn't quite sure. So 2.30, there you go, 2.30. Good stuff. Uh, so we got another uh, hour yet to go. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up, and it's coming up right after this. Stay tuned.